0: There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. Welcome to Saturday's In the Gong on SCN Track.
1: As Elton rides off into touring retirement, there is no retiring from Saturdays in the Gong coming to you from the wonderful Wollongong Golf Club. Pete the Perfect Panel Punch from Putney, the hardworking hero from Hunters Hill. He labelled it benign this morning, but I don't like that word. It is sun drenched, it is picturesque, it is beautiful once more. Good morning, everybody. Matt Russell from Fox Sports alongside Illawarra Mercury, sports journalist extraordinaire Mitch Jennings. I'm not even going to run through all the topics we have to address this morning. It is such a huge show. Let's just get straight into it. Alex Volkanovski. Two fights the this week. One. At least he's won one of them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, and it was quite the result, wasn't it? You said last week that he would mince Yair Rodriguez in the UFC World Title Showdown last Sunday. Our time Well, take a listen.
2: And it is interesting. Volkanovski,
0: in our fighter meeting. It right
2: for it. oh and
3: Rodriguez really
2: hurt now covering up the nice wow. transition
4: but is going for it oh my goodness
3: yeah he is in real trouble yeah he is That's it it's over looked like her team
1: He is a walking, talking advertisement for this great region, Mitch Jennings. We'll get to his second fight in a moment, but that performance last week in Las Vegas, through your expert eyes, how much merit does it deserve? Oh, absolutely tons, Matty. I mean, it was always going to be interesting to see
2: how he, you know, the intrigue was going to be how he would adjust going back. He'd gone up to lightweight, obviously coming back to featherweight, everything he did like a total pro, made weight easily, went in there against Yair Rodriguez, and People that knew MMA and knew the sport knew he was dangerous, he was unorthodox, he was more, I guess, unpredictable than any of the opponents Volk had, had in the in recent history heading into that one, and he went in there and made him look ordinary. He's just given credence to the question, can anyone touch this bloke at 145 pounds? And I say the answer is no. Went pretty much the way I thought it would go, Matty, as far as he took him down at will. And then by the time he had ear looking for those takedowns, he landed that big shot and just finished it with some ground and pound. And yeah, it was a, it was a thing of beauty, Matty. It was a thing of beauty. No blood sport whatsoever. Just an absolute brilliant display of mixed <laughs> martial arts.
1: As the ring announcer reads out, Alex Volkanovsky from Windang, from Windang, New, Windang South New South Wales, Wales, Australia. You get a tear in your eye every time. It does. It to get you right Windang, in the Windang... Announced around the world and for listeners in Sydney, around Australia, Windang is a small southern suburb of the Illawarra, shall it be said, on the on the fringes of Lake Illawarra. In fact a former It's the last place before Shell
2: Harbor, from correct. When you hit that bridge probably. it's the last part of Wollongong before you hit the bridge. That's the I believe that's the boundary that's of it. the council area. That's so it. anyone saying no he's not from Wollongong. Windang through and
1: through, mate. That's absolutely Wollongong as it gets. Now happily retired Illawarra newsreader Jeff Phillips used to joke in a radio career that he was the mayor of Windang Heights. He actually met Prince Charles at the time before he became king as the mayor of Windang Heights, draped in all the mayoral, um, uh, what do they call it, the decorations, the the big chain that goes around them. And uh, there is no Windang Heights because it's about, what, half a foot above sea level.
2: Yeah, that's what I mean, exactly. And we've seen some great people from Windang. I always thought perhaps... My great mate, Steve Mascord, the, the great rugby league correspondent coming out of Windang, a former Windang Pelican. You think maybe he was one of the notable... Uh, notable. Kane, Kane <laughs> Linnett, of course, premiership-winning North Queensland uh, cowboy. But I think as far as notable residents and people of Windang, I think Volk is winning that as easily as he's beating opponents at 145 at the
1: moment. Absolutely. So we'll see where Alex Volkanovski goes from here. Where do you think he'll go? When will he fight again and who? Well he definitely wants that that rematch with Islam Makhachev he wants yep.
2: that that lightweight belt uh, it depends when we're still hasn't been locked in Islam was scheduled to fight in October it was tipped to be against uh, Charles Oliveira former Brazilian uh, he's not formally Brazilian he's still Brazilian but he was the, <laughs> formerly the lightweight champion uh, that's the fight that we're talking about in October and that's when Islam's expected to fight Volk wants that fight and then he's taking care of business a lot of people in his position when you're chasing that rematch they will sit out they won't fight they'll sit back and wait and wait and wait for that, you know, for that big fight. But he's gone there and he's taking care of business at featherweight. Uh, Ilya Tapura, the, the Spanish, he, he's coming through and he's on the rise in the featherweight yeah. division. I could not see. He, he probably is similar to Ayer and he's unorthodox striking, but his ground game is probably a bit better. So he's the only real one making a compelling case at featherweight. But D- Dana White put it best. He said Rocky's he now in that category where whatever he wants to do, We'll, we'll roll with. He can basically call his own shot from this point. So if he does at this point want to just sit and wait for that rematch with Islam Makarshev, he can. If he wants to take care of business at 145, he's obviously getting close to that record of title defences at featherweight, which would absolutely, you know, put to bed any suggestion that he's not the GOAT at featherweight. So there's, option, there's options for him. So I'm not sure when it would be. He said he does not need to have some surgery on, clean surgery on an elbow that he, or injury he took in there. So... It could be anything, but like he's, he's in that rare air, as Dana White said, where he can call his own shots. So. so
1: that's the fight he did win. Now let's get to the fight he hasn't won. And people in the Illawarra, including myself, are crying out for Alex Volkanovsky to be given the keys to the city. Now, I have to admit that UFC is not necessarily my go, but Alex Volkanovsky is, because I see the way that he is proud of this region, he advertises this region, he pushes it any chance he can get. He's a husband, he's a... Dad, father, he, he loves um, helping the community in a number of areas. He is a multiple world champion uh, now. He has ticked every box multiple times to get the ceremonial keys to the city. However, the Lord Mayor of Wollongong, Gordon Bradbury, a former United Church minister, has said this week that won't happen under my watch because it is a niche sport. Hello. And secondly, <laughs> It promotes violence. He doesn't like the physicality of UFC. Now, we could argue for the next six hours, but we're only on air for two, and this segment only goes for about 20 minutes. So I thought we'd go to the captain's run this week, where Denon Kemp speaks with Cam Smith, a couple of uh, rugby league uh, blokes chatting multiple things, but including, thanks to a sponsor, what gets under their skin, and it got a mention on
5: the captain's run this week. It Pains me to say, during this break, I yelled "Holy schnitz" when I found out Wollongong mayor won't honour MMA champion Alex Volkanovsky with keys to the city of Wollongong. What? Because it's promoting violence. What's uh, doing? What? Holy schnitz! Holy yeah, schnitz! I'm, ho- I'm holy. I'm holy schnitz in that too, mate. That's a massive holy schnitz. Oi, bruh. There's rugby league just around the corner from you. It's a pretty violent sport, and also, yeah, it, it is. You know, you say it promotes viol- like violence, it, it also promotes striving for greatness, it promotes discipline, hard work, it also promotes young men and women, instead of fighting on the street, go and do it in a proper controlled environment and, and use it as almost a therapy. There is so many positives to things like MMA, and matter of fact, there are a lot of young people that could use that discipline in their life, so that is craziness to me, holy schnitz. Geez, the Gongs yes. a beautiful place too. So hopefully, hopefully someone gets in the the mayor's ear and says, "Look at all the positive that he brings to the country. He's bloody yep. Australian Sportsman of the Year, nearly."
1: Oh, suddenly I've got a bit more love for Queensland. As well said, men, and, and I can't believe that the Wollongong Council under uh, Gordon Bradbury can't give him the keys to the city. It's only ceremonial, but it is significant. Geno, off you go. I've wound you uh, up. What have yeah. you got to say? Look,
2: I'll preface it by saying we're talking about a three-time elected mayor, so there's a measure of respect that must be held in any sort of debate like this. But in this view, it just smacks of ignorance is what it absolutely smacks of. It, it's not attuned to the reality of, of what Alex does, of what he personally stands for. You judge the human being. You don't mm. judge the overall sport, what he's doing. No one's saying give the, give the keys to the city to John Jones, OK? They're saying the way... <laughs> Alex Volkanovsky represents himself. I've been in that gym. I've trained in that gym. I've done a whole lot in that gym. And our Lord Mayor said he was concerned about the message promoted to young people. Well, I can tell you for a fact, any young people that go into that freestyle MMA gym there on Windang Road will come out better, people. And that was... I spoke to Joe Lopez, um, his coach. I spoke to him in Mexico, actually. He's still, he's still over there this week, and he... he, he We've known about, this, about the Mayor's position on this for a little while, Matty, sort of behind the scenes, and obviously they've been aware of that as well. And he wasn't surprised to see the comments. I don't think it's bruising, obviously, Alex's ego or his own, but where the reaction has been visceral has been in defence of martial arts and in defence of the sport. He invited the Mayor down. He said he'll give him a year's free membership to just come down and have a look at the kids that go in there. They learn all those things that Dan and Kemp was talking about before, discipline, restraint respect all those sorts of things if you've been in that gym there are a lot worse sports that are we'll call them mainstream in quotation marks that are a far worse environment to be in and the rest of us just absurd some of these other positions I I wrote this week if you say that recognizing Alec Volkanovsky with the keys to the city is promoting violence it's like saying giving it to Wayne Gardner in 1987 was promoting dangerous driving okay <laughs> it's, it's so a sport word. it happens in a it happens in a controlled environment and the other thing that I thought spoke because the word we're hearing promote violence in the story with my colleague at the Mercury, Agron Latifi, was it provokes violence in some instances. Now, Matty, you've seen what this, what this town is like on the day of an Alex Volkanovsky fight. The pubs are absolutely packed. They're, They're there heavy. from 10 a.m. They're sourced to the gills, right, for the most part, the fans. That's an environment that is conducive to bloodbath in the streets and everything else. Mm-hmm. Have we ever seen it? No. Have we no. ever seen spilling into the streets and all in brawls up and down Crown Street and the harp getting torn down? If it was provoking violence, as the mayor suggests, would that not be the case?
1: Well, you've raised a very good point, and there's a survey. So it, and it hasn't been. In the Illawarra Mercury, uh, which isn't necessarily representative of the uh, UFC crowd, yet it was still nearly 90% of respondents, and there were more than 1,500 of them. Had said yes he should get the keys to the city so it's very thin ice for a, an elected politician to be on like you i respect gordon bradbury's convictions he he as front of the media and he is staying strong i respect that i just think it's the wrong decision especially when you consider as a man of the cloth as a former united church minister last time i we went to sunday school jesus watched washed the feet of of lepers and and beggars and all comers he accepted all comers shouldn't a man of the cloth accept all comers
2: that is exactly what that was that was what was key to Joe Lopez's frustration, obviously Alex's coach when I spoke to him, labelled the mayor a hypocrite said mm. he was showing himself up to be a fool and that's what he was talking about, t- we've got a mayor that talks about inclusivity and including everyone and and not being judgmental all these type of things and here he is in this position, a sport he doesn't like, that he admitted in other media ops that he's barely looked at, he, he's, he's basing his position on something he saw on a TV over the side <laughs> when he was at a pub having a feed, is what he said in another interview, so the hypocrisy in that, as Joe Lopez put it, just because it's not your cup of tea as a sport, if you're a man of inclusivity and being inclusive and everything else, it, it doesn't really wash with that if you're going to have this this sort of argument. And like you said, the constituents here are pretty emphatic in, in their position of it. So I understand he has his view, but as an elected mayor, is he not supposed to be both listening to his community and representative of representative of that community? All he has to do is put him up. He can... This is the thing about the system. He's actually being obstructionist too. I think that's where more of the frustration comes in. The mayor is the only one under the under the award mm-hmm. stipulations that can nominate someone for the keys to the city. It's then discussed at council, and only then, when it passes council, uh, does it is it rubber stamped. So even if you have your reservations against, I think the case is compelling enough. Put it up and see if, Wollong, if Wollongong City Council, that is representative of the entire community, mm-hmm. see what their views on it are. Because I know I know what the result would be Matty we've got our Premier Chris Mins is investing $16 million to bring three UFC events uh, to Sydney over the next four years so for a niche sport that's pretty good for a niche sport Alex Volkanovski has 1.5 million followers on Instagram Sam Kerr has 1.3 Pat Cummins has 1.2 Elise Perry if you are talking about this 1.1 Paddy Mills 500,000 so if t- it's not bad for someone That's in the niche, very, niche very area great. as the Mayor put it. Well you know so. what
1: Alex Volkanovsky's is going to keep on fighting we'll keep lobbying for him to get the keys to the city we know Gordon Bradbury to be a good bloke I, I don't discount the fact that he might well change his mind I know the Deputy Lord Mayor Tanya Brown has the keys the gold keys in the top drawer she's ready to go <laughs> as soon as the Lord Mayor gives the Deputy Lord Mayor the go ahead so we'll see what happens in the career the wonderful career of Alex Volkanovsky that just keeps on providing the the Wollongong Golf Club backs this great show along with Wollongong City Motors, Impact Garage Doors impacting homes for 20 years and of course the Illawarra Mercury. Big show ahead, NRL Origin, Matildas, they were winners last night against France. Wallabies, Racing, a changing of the guard at the Illawarra Turf Club. We'll speak to the outgoing CEO, Geno's Jinx. That prevailed last week, so I'm wanting to see your tip this week. But let's get into some NRL. Round 20 started last night in Newcastle and this team won.
3: Drawing. Now Young's got open space. Tupou out of position. Young gets it inside the gamble. And the oh, Knights, oh, he gets it down, Gamble. <laughs> My goodness, yeah. Jareen Bullard
5: just doesn't know how to give
1: up. Yeah, the Knights did what they had to do last night. Last night, and at times it seemed impossibly easy for them, but they couldn't put the game to bed. Tyson Gamble scored the try. (laughs) Jareen Buller, I thought he was going to knock the ball out like the commentators did, but he he scored the try. Jareen Buller, one of the Tigers' best. Certainly, Kaelin Ponga, one of Newcastle's best. Uh, The only little asterisk I put on that is I feel the top four, some of the top eight teams put 50 on the Tigers last night. The Knights scored impossibly. Easy tries at times, but just couldn't put on that big score. What was your assessment, Jeddah?
2: Yeah, well, my favourite part of the night was uh, when the when the footage hand up to Adam O'Brien in the coach's <laughs> yes. box when Tyson Ty Gebel <laughs> taking his time getting the ball down. You didn't need to be much of a lip reader to see what was going on there. I, th- I think Dan Ganane apologised to lip readers everywhere for the <laughs> for the uh, for the offence. But to me, it was it was the nights in a nutshell. They were obviously they scored with ease but it still took them that sort of 75 minutes to to put the Tigers away I'm still very very unconvinced by the Knights until they beat someone of consequence until they get a win of consequence Kalen Ponger was fantastic but is that not what we've seen from Kalen Ponger it was that it's at club level that's custom made for the type of game Kalen Ponger had we don't really see that very often against top opposition at club level so I think they you know they did what they had to do is the way you put it Matty. they they, they took care of business and yeah, they've improved. I think since that, basically, since they had that touch-up, and there was the the controversy around, you know, some guys taking off to Bali for the bye week, and everyone else. For Bradman best, I don't think it's really that trip has affected. I nah. him in a detrimental way. But since then, they've they've been better. Remember the the pressure Adam O'Brien was under prior to that. But since then, they've been better. But I'm I'm still far from convinced about uh, about Newcastle that that pack that they have I think is. Is very, very good to compete with a lot. I think that's what's going to put them in a lot of games. They're going to be in a few. But as we saw last night, without, I guess, you know, the gates being, you know, left open like they were by the Tigers, I'm still not sure that they are, uh, yeah, they're going to be racking it up. And like I said, it, t- it took them a while to put the Tigers away in that one as much as the final score looked like. Oh, <laughs> unconvinced. They're on
1: 21 point. premiership points they're in 10th now 7th place is on 22 points so they're not far off the pace but the next fortnight they play Melbourne at McDonald Jones Stadium in Newcastle then they travel to Canberra so the next 2 weeks will go a long way to deciding how much life there is in the Knights at the back end of the season we'll break and afterwards we're going to put the spotlight on the St George Illawarra Dragons
0: There's a new player in town Wollongong City GWM Haval visit them for a test drive today you're listening to Saturday's in the gong on SEN track there's a new player in town Wollongong City GWm havel visit them for a test drive today you're listening to Saturdays in the gong on scN
6: track Go
1: The weekend off St George Illawarra are bye, and there's some problems for them on the playing roster front, Mitch Jennings, because we saw Ethan be a successful name for the New South Wales under-19s big time on Thursday. Well, Jaden seems like a jinxed name for the Dragons. Jaden Sullivan, Jaden Sewer injured. How long are they out for? Well, the reports coming through this
2: week were, well, Jaden Seward they've definitely confirmed for the season he's having surgery on uh, a shoulder injury, so that'll be the end of, of his campaign for this year. And Jaden Sullivan, they've basically conceded it will be the season. I imagine, given his ha- his history with hamstring injuries, what little on the club front that they're playing for, it, it just basically his season all but over. And, you know, we touched on that on the show last week, Matty, about how everyone just sort of gasped a little bit when he started clutching in that hamstring, just mm. knowing the history he has with it. And... It's a tough one, Matty. We've seen people... I think about young players that go through certain issues. Benji Marshall was at four shoulder reconstructions by the time he was 22. We we kept thinking at the time of this bloke's career is going to be done. Almost forced retirement mid-career, exactly. as it turned out. But that was with shoulder injuries. He's come back from that. In a lot of ways, hamstrings are trickier because they just go and go and go, don't they, Matty? So mm. we've seen... Uh, Tommy Turbo went over to the the US and and looked got his looked at changed his running style changed his approach. Uh, we saw it also with uh, it was more that was more of a specific injury when it came to Latrell Mitchell to go and rehab what was a very tricky torn hamstring. So I don't know if the Dragons will consider something like that for for Bud Sullivan, but um, it starts to become really really concerning when you got a kid that young who and he I know for a fact, Matty, he's done a ton of work in that in that area of looking at his running style, trying to change his running style, getting the strength into it, prehab, rehab, all that type of stuff. He's been really, really dedicated to try and stay on the park and for it to go like that, especially for a player who who is so dynamic. At his best, he's a ball running, he slips through. We've seen some of the tries he's he scored this year. It's it's going to be a hard thing to carry moving forward and it's certainly... I don't think there was much chance of it anyway, but it certainly, for mine, would put absolute paid to any suggestion of Ben Hunt being released before the season's over because the depth... Beyond, yes. beyond in the halves is, is very very skinny. So you're basically leaving yourself without any halfback. So I, it was out, almost outside the realms of possibilities anyway. But it's certainly to me, it's it's a it's a dead ball now. They don't go in anywhere.
1: We spoke last week about our respect for Ryan Carr and the job he's doing as interim coach. With all these curveballs just continuing to come at him. But of course, next season Shane Flanagan will come in, and he's announced officially. Dean Young is refer- returning as one of Flano's assistants. On the training and high-performance end, Dan Lawson, Andrew Gray are back. A couple of blokes involved with premierships in the past and extended this week. Jack DeBellin, Rabalawa, Michael Molo, a youngster, Dylan Egan. Could Payne Haas be a player the Dragons enter the market for, along with, <laughs> what, 15 other clubs, if yeah. he doesn't stay at the Broncos? Well, there's been some
2: interest, too. We've heard of in, in Tino Muali as well, so... Uh, look, I think both are going to price themselves out of a, a Dragons market. You can see that they're trying to clear some space out of those players you listed, Matty. Only Michaelie Ravalawa has actually been extended. Um, Jack DeBellin's taken up Options, a, yeah. an option in his favour. So that, as far as the cap's concerned, that money was there. And they've also the club has taken up a club option on Michael Molo. So... Their, their positions that Dylan Egan and the guys we heard there not into the top 30 just yet Sevilio Tamali, who obviously you would have called the yeah. other night Matty he moves into the top 30 next year but certainly clearing the deck Shane Flanagan said he wants to bring in four or five to me I, I struggle to see the Dragons going to market for a marquee forward that's going to cost them that I think if they do end up with the money that uh, Ben Hunt might free up if they do end up agreeing to release I think Flano is going to want one or two players, you know, a, a, a forward and an outside back. If you remember, that's what he did at Cronulla. They, I, I remember writing a, a piece on it. In all the, in that decade of premiership winners, the only team that won a premiership without a true, genuine, marquee $1 million player was the Sharks under Flano because he had such a well-balanced roster that, he, that he'd that put together. So I think that'd be the vein you'd be going in. So I'd be, I, I, you know, I've been wrong before, but I'd be very surprised if they truly in the market for, or will
1: move heaven and earth for a, a marquee middle. Well, 2010 premiership to the dragon, 2016 premiership to the Sharks, Dan Lawson, Andrew Gray involved with both of them. We know what Dean Young did in 2010. Do you like the team that Flano is building around him and we expect that Ryan Carr will we'll stay on next year as part of all of that? Yeah, well, I'm not sure with,
2: with Ryan Carr, he'll have options now, obviously, because, mm. you know, he'll, uh, he'll obviously jump back in the pecking order there behind Dean Young. So I'm not sure. I'm sure that, you know, the players want him to stay. The club's been interested in that. We'll have to wait and see, watch this space on that. Dean Young, going back to me, it's, it's a dream team for, for the, on the club front, just as far as how often would you have a guy who's on your shortlist as a head coach and then you go in a different direction and that bloke still comes as an assistant coach. I mean, it's it's a real coup for for the club there. Obviously, we know the support he had, particularly on the St George side of the of the board for the for the head coaching role. I was surprised to see it, Matty. I thought, I know it was floated and I thought, not nah, absurd because we were talking about succession plans and everything else and I'm just off the view. Shane Flanagan was was rubbed out of coaching for that period in the, at the peak of his powers and everything else. The suggestion that he was just going to come back for another three years and just hand the keys over, I <laughs> find very, very hard to believe. And he said he wants to be there for the next the next ten years, so it's great to have Dino there. I'd, I'd have been, I, th- I think they've ended up in the right position with, with Flano there, but I would have been perfectly comfortable with Dean Young being a head coach as well. So I think in a lot of ways, uh, it's a real dream team for the Dragons.
1: Next two games for the Dragons after this weekend's bye, they're both at Wynn Stadium in wonderful Wollongong against the Tigers next Thursday night, then Manly. Uh, Saturday after that, so or well, Saturday week after that. So Tigers, Manly, a couple of home games coming up for the Dragons. Almost time for the news, but in the next hour, we're going to speak football, FIFA Women's World Cup. We've sp- spoken about Alex Volkanovski and the Lord Mayor's uh, reluctance to give him the keys to the city because it's a blood sport in his eyes. Well, what about the warm-ups for the Football World Cup? Ireland and Colombia playing a warm-up game. The girls, the game was called off. There's a blood sport. Yeah, women's exactly. soccer.
2: And, mate, I had some mail. I was hearing <clears throat> way off in the distance and background that the Colombian uh, women's football team was in the running for the Wollongong Keys to the city. There so you I think go. we can brush that now. That's no. not happening. you blood know. The way, sport. the way they've conducted themselves in
1: that in oh. that absolute bloodbath there. Ireland is Australia's first opponent at the World Cup. Will they bring their knuckle dusters? Last night, Ireland-Columbia, a warm-up game to the FIFA World Cup. Didn't even get to half-time. Yeah, it got hot. Too violent. <laughs> it got Called too off. hot, didn't it? A warm-up game. Well, <laughs> guess what? They had a full-blown blaze they couldn't put out. News, and then we're back to talk more rugby league.
0: There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. We put a woman in front and a man behind.
1: the uh, Dancing Mitch Jennings? This is Saturdays in the Gong. I'm Matt Russell and let's bring in a man who about 9 p.m. last Saturday sent a text regarding his Canterbury Bulldogs. It read, We'll win the comp from here. Good morning to the
4: Illawarra Mercury Sports Editor Tim Barrow. Oh, you know, it's true. I've been waiting that many weeks for you to uh, have that as the intro theme when I came on. He's a big
2: fan of the Baja Men, Baz. It's always <laughs> when we're chilling around. He's always, always on Spotify. Put the Baja Men on.
4: We'll get to the dogs. To the Do they have box. any other we'll get, songs?
1: <laughs> we'll get to the dogs in a moment, but it's been a big week for them. Newcastle's Bradman Best got two tries on Wednesday. How about this highlight from Josh though? Take a listen.
6: Clearly got a directive and Walker's the ball-playing whiz. And here's Ado Carr in space down the wing.
2: He's going to kick ahead. Blue jump is charged. Ado Carr's after it. It's one of the great orange and tries. Josh Ado Carr
1: with a piece of magic. Absolutely, it was a great origin try. I've heard it described a bit like kissing your sister, losing the series but winning game three. Tim Barrow, I wonder what your thoughts are regarding the Blues for 2024 when it comes to coach, halves and other
4: elements within. Oh, uh, look, you would love that uh, Addo Carr try to have been in a decider, wouldn't you? I mean, um, I don't really think you can rate the game too much in terms of the contest because it was... It was sort of not unorigin like but it just just had a different vibe about it. You know, that there wasn't the softening up period early on. We saw the sort of streaky plays and tries. Um, so I'm not really sure what you draw out of it other than New South Wales just salvaging a bit of pride there. I, I think they're all on the table. I mean, I think they'll need some time away. Brad Fittler will go through the debrief and, and work it out from there. But um, as has widely been discussed, I mean, no... Origin coaches coach has coached six series in a row, so maybe it is time for change, as we've spoken in in previous uh, previous shows. So I don't think anyone really has a mortgage on the jumper. You look at Mitchell Moses, he's been quite good, and pushing Nathan Cleary, um, does Tedesco hang on and keep going? There's a lot of questions to um, to be answered between now and then, isn't there? Geno, if I had to get you now to pick your six and
1: seven for game one 2024, New South Wales, considering all a fit, who is it? Cleary and Walker, mm. for me. I, I think Walker was...
2: was in, and obviously they moved. I thought um, Cam Murray was outstanding as well in the middle there. and He was so underutilised all series, really. So they put him in there with Cody Walker on that edge, completely transformed the way they play. I'm always wary of reading too much into Dead Rubbers, Matty. They They tell you nothing. I remember it was probably two years ago, I actually wrote a column and I crunched numbers on dead rubbers. And the team that's lost the series, if you look at for and against and everything else, they're miles in front. They're miles in front. The team that has lost the series in two and goes to a dead rubber, they're the Harlem Globetrotters almost with how the points go and how far ahead they are. We've only had a couple of sweeps. I never think you should read much into into Dead Rubbers. I think they're... I get that they're a jewel in the crown. There's a lot of, uh, you know, money involved in it. And there were 75,000 people turned up to it. So, I, But for me, I always sit there and just go, they're bloody pointless. Mm-hmm. Uh, dead Rubbers, to me, I, I well, really struggle to gain interest There were 75,000 people
1: there saying it was
2: pointless. Well, exactly. But you've got to remember about, what was it, 55,000 had bought their tickets at the start of the series. So they still... They rolled up about 15,000. So, so good on them. I, but for me, on the personal front, oh, I really struggle to get any interest... In, in, in dead rubbers, and I'm certainly wary of reading too much into what happens in them.
1: OK, we'll move on straight away then, as
3: per the request from Mitch And,
1: and I should point out that Tim Barrow is not lurking outside a childcare centre. He's a junior, <laughs> junior sports coach on a Saturday morning. So we'll bring him back in with the set of six as we look at the other six games in Round 20 to unfold on Fox League. This afternoon, Bulldogs v. Broncos, but before that, what do you got to say, Joe? Well,
2: I just wanted to let Baz know that the folly... He said, do they have any other hits? And I do remember the follow-up to Who Let The Dogs Out was You All Dat by the Baja men. You All Dat, D-A-T. I don't know where it's So go over on, on your Spotify, Baz, because guess what? They've got a catalogue. They're going to be releasing their greatest hits album
1: very soon this on is here. This is meant to be laced, loosely based on a sports show, not MTV. <laughs> so we'll move on with Fox League's menu for the West of the Weekend, the West of the Weekend, or the rest even, if you're speaking properly. Uh, Bulldogs Broncos this afternoon at Belmore. Tim Barrow, who were the Brisbane Halves the last time the Broncos played at Belmore?
4: Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I know they haven't won there since the early 90s, but I couldn't tell you uh, how many times they've played there since. Was Was there a Walters involved?
1: There was a Walters involved, which means there was a Langer involved. It was 1998. And they won on that occasion, 20-12. to 12. They scored two tries in the last couple of minutes to, to win that. Kevy and Alfie were the halves last time. That was going the to be Broncos my answer if you put it to me, Matty. To OK, North Queensland travelling to Four Pines Park to play Manly. The Cowboys are on a four-game winning streak. And they've won those four games by a combined total of 177 to 49. They are attacking supremely. So how many tackles does Manly's leading defender, Jake Trebojevic, have to make today, Mitch Jennings. Oh boy, oh boy. Well, he, what does he typically rack up? He never goes 38 below. He, per yeah,
2: he, I was going to say he never. He's shy of that 40 mark. I reckon. I reckon he can nudge him for 45.
1: I've got him. I think he's going to go him, past his regular mark. I've got him 50 plus. Now 50 plus. Baz, uh, tonight the Roosters up against the Melbourne Storm at the SCG. No James Tedesco. So Joey Manu's playing fullback. Have a listen to the numbers. That Joey mustered last time he played fullback, round 16 against Newcastle, and will play over and under. What does he do tonight at fullback in comparison with what he did in round 16? 285 run metres, Baz. Over or under for Joey Manu?
4: Uh, I'll go under.
1: Okay, nine tackle busts, Baz. Over or under?
4: No, under again. They're playing the storm, so, yep, I'll go under. Six offloads. Over or under, Baz. Well, <laughs> if there any chance he'd want to be, if he's any chance he'd want to be on that, so I'll say right on.
2: Okay, out of the three, that's and the only one. He's a
4: chance of, I reckon. I reckon one, he's try. one try. One try, over or under. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know the Roosters right have got to find points, so um, yep, he's he's their chance. You get the gist. Last time he played
1: fullback, he was dynamic, and he's fullback again tonight. The Warriors against Cronulla tomorrow. Now, they've reconfigured Mount Smart Stadium, Go Media Stadium there at Mount Smart for a a rugby international tonight. Up to 31,000 is the capacity, and there's some hope to breach the 30,000 mark for the first time since their inaugural year, 1995. So, The Warriors, they go Cronulla and Canberra at home into a bye. Five of their last seven games are in New Zealand. They're right on the cusp of the top four. Mitch Jennings, do the Warriors finish top four?
2: With that run you've just put to me, Matty, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to
4: back them in. Baz, what about you? Yeah, absolutely. I'm a huge believer that they can finish in the top four, particularly when you've got players like Luke Metcalf who had a really standout game there last week so other than the loss to South Sydney in that driving rain, I think they've, uh, they've shown they're, they're a real chance in the finals If they were to beat Cronulla
1: and Canberra at Mount Smart Stadium and then go into their bye they'd emerge from the bye in discussion, I think, about being a possible minor premiership team Wow, boy! Who would have thought? Imagine picking that. Who like, would have there's, thought?
2: There's, there's some precedent. There's I a lot guess, of ifs in, there, I know. Yeah, but there's some precedent there as far as top four. I mean, what we see last year, North Queensland, and certainly North Queensland to a slightly lesser degree, Cronulla, sort of came from the clouds last year, and they? they finished top mm. four and, and didn't quite nail it in, in the playoffs. So we, we do often see teams go on a surge. So it's not, you know, I, I certainly didn't pick it, but perhaps, you know, it's not something that's completely out of the realms of, of possibility. So. The,
1: the four o'clock game tomorrow, Dolphins hosting Penrith, the first meeting between the Dolphins and the Premiers. Which halfback has the better game? Ex-Panther, Sean O'Sullivan, current Panther, Jack Cogger, or hamstrung Panther in number 24, Nathan Cleary. Over to you, Tim Barrow.
4: Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Um, well, yeah, I just think the Panthers will have a little bit too much class. I'll give uh, give jo- Jack Cogger a bit of credit along the way about how the Panthers still managed to uh, manage their way through these injuries and the origin period. Refresh my memory on the question, Matty. <laughs>
1: I'm getting texted by the Lord Mayor just Wh- saying, what did you say about me? Wh- which halfback... Has the better game. Ex-Panther, Sean O'Sullivan. Current Panther, Jack Coggo. Or hamstrung Panther in 24. He might play Nathan Cleary. Oh, Cleary. Yeah. You reckon he plays? Okay. Yeah, okay. uh, A mini-Origin to finish the round. Parramatta against Gold Coast. Who would you rather be in this game on Sunday night? Sunday night on Fox League. Blues, Clint Gutherson. Mitchell Moses, Regan Campbell-Gillard, or Marones; A.J. Brimson, Mo Fodawaka, Tino Farsuamala-Awi, or David Fafita. There's seven names there, Geno. Pick one. Yeah, Who would you rather be? I've,
2: uh, in that game, or if I'm back in a winner, I'm just going to go with the Eels, I think. No, you've got to pick an individual. Oh, the individual. Sorry, mate. He said, I'm, I'm off on the set of six. I've, dry, I've fumbled <laughs> yeah. the ball, too. But my, my completion The Mayor's texts have thrown you, haven't they? Oh, I think Clint Gutherson, definitely. I think he... Sat there, he'd have a bit of shine off that, uh, that win, but he didn't feature a whole lot, So and he's been in great form. I'm going to go guffo.
1: Baz, you know the rules. Pick an individual. Which origin player would you rather be in that game?
4: Can the question include shares in pubs? Because <laughs> I think Tino, is, uh, Tino would be a fair chance to be included there. Okay, I'll go
1: with Reggie because I just love to rock a mo like Regan Campbell Gillard. He owns it. We've got a, a great segment called Making the Mercury. It comes with its own sting, its own sound effects. So, Maestro, do we have the typewriter there ready to pound like Tim Barrow does week in, week out? Ah, oh, yes, of
2: course we do. As just we've... reminds me of Tim Barris sitting
1: there, smoke in the mouth, <laughs> fedora on the head, typing away. Belting out copy for the Illawarra Mercury. Uh, Baz, before we say goodbye, what's been making the Mercury through your eyes this week?
4: Well, I know you spoke about it at length before, but there's only one thing that's been making the Mercury this week, and that's the, the bun fight over Vault getting the keys to the city, I was uh, MC for a function yesterday with uh, both the Lord Mayor and Deputy Lord Mayor in the room. So it was uh, a little bit of a, a subtext to the uh, to the event. And, um, you know, it was all everyone was talking about. So hopefully uh, we any, can any get some happening any, very any, soon.
1: Any violence at that function? I was... Uh, they they the actually had a whiskey bar drinking, set up mate. out the back the
4: function finished. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But I was waiting for the the UFC cage or something to be constructed outside. But, no, it was all very civil. Yeah, well, we'll wait and see what happens to this story. It will continue
1: to uh, fill copy. I know Mitch Jennings is working on yet another story. Baz, go and make sure the goals go in the right direction at that junior sports event. We'll talk to you and see you and hear you in here next weekend.
4: Very good, lads. I look forward to it.
1: Okay, we'll break and we're back to Bang the Gong.
0: There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track.
1: Time to bang the gong. Something good or bad about Wollongong this week. Let me tell you, Mitch Jennings, that I was driving along with my 16-year-old son on his L's. He's already got bought by himself, his own car, a little white van. We were driving along Five Islands Road. Front wheel just came off at 60 k's oh, an Jesus. hour and bounced down the highway. So we're stuck there. Traffic flying by. I rang Matt Campbell from Campbell's Towing, Albion Park. Not our Matt Campbell. <laughs> I was gonna say, a different he's going to help Campbell, you from Las Vegas. <laughs> a different Matt Campbell. He's the mayor of Albion Park, Matt Campbell. And he put me on to a mad Roosters fan. Big Pete Josephsky from Perry Brothers. Pete was fantastic. He was calm, he was cool, he was quick. He got us out of trouble, out of danger in an instant. Great fella as well. Unflappable. Pete Josephsky, you get the banging the gong from Matt Russell this week. Bang. Geno? They
2: are the angels of the road, aren't they? The they tow are. truck drivers. They yeah, are. you don't think much of them, but when you need them, oh boy, oh boy, boy there. they come. I'm banging the gong, Matty. We know. The prestige that is attached to the Australian schoolboys and the tradition that's there, Matty. But last year, I'm not sure if people are aware, the inaugural Australian schoolgirls was named last year, coached by Wollongong's own Mel Sparrow. She's back at that helm this year. But I just wanted to give a huge rap to the girls that have been picked in that side this year. We've got Casey Tallon-Henneker. Yep. uh, Indy Bostock uh, Evie McGrath, Casey Ray, and Charlotte Basham all in that team. So, as you can hear, some some names somewhat synonymous with, <laughs> with the Illawarra there as well. What a nursery
1: this area is when you're fielding five players in Indeed. the Australian schoolgirls Indeed. team. a
2: couple from Figgy High. Oh, you got to talk about that. Zach Lomax, uh, Brad Morkos, you've got them. All, yep. Before that, you had to go all the way back to Brian Hetherington. So, yeah,
1: there's a fig tree building its own... Uh... Bang that gong, Maestro. Well done, Geno. We'll break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk Major League Cricket. <laughs> Wait for that one.
0: There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track.
1: Well, the listeners are getting some sleep while the Ashes have a gap between tests, finally. But it's on again this Thursday, Old Trafford, Manchester. Forget the Ashes. We've got Major League Cricket, the first Major League Cricket competition in the US, unfolding on KO and Fox Sports, gripping television, I must add, Mitch Jennings. When you hear the name of the teams that we've got playing, the uh, San Francisco Unihorns, the LA Night Riders, the New York well, their MI, which stands for Mumbai Indians, I, I'm led to believe. Seattle Orcas, Washington Freedom, Texas Super Kings. Is cricket going to take over the US?
6: Jeez,
2: oh, <laughs> man, I don't know. Short
1: for, you got, if you're going to
2: do it, you've got to do it in short form, don't you? Uh, so I could see sort of what they're doing. Have you seen how hard they hit the ball, Matty? Yeah. Violent sport. Wild
1: sport. <laughs> I can't. I can't have it. I can't, uh, I, I can't
2: get involved in that, Matty. They hit that ball far too hard. There's people in the crowd who get hit by the ball. They're not <laughs> familiar with cricket, so they don't know where it's coming from. It's they might think it's played. a baseball, which is much softer. Oh, I can't condone that sport, Matty.
1: Six teams that's being played in Texas and North Carolina. There's a smattering of the mercenaries who travel the world, copping the T20 cash. Adam Zampa. He's not a mercenary, but he's over there playing for the LA Night Riders. Catch it on Fox Sports and KO in the lead up to the Ashes. What better way to whet the appetite? Now, after the break, Jordan Warren is going to tell us about Allianz Stadium statues and the Matildas 1-0 winners last night in that violent sport that is women's soccer after Ireland and Colombia were called off early in a trial because of over-physicality. A lot more still to come. Stay with us on Saturdays in the Gong in Sydney. The Mowers Club, it's up next.
0: There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. Welcome to Saturdays in the Gong on SCN Track.
1: Saturdays in the gong rolling into a second hour thanks to Impact Garage Doors, Wollongong City Motors and our fantastic hosts, Wollongong Golf Club. This Thursday night, a football extravaganza starts in Australia and New Zealand. 32 national teams, 64 games, 9 host cities. It is the FIFA Women's World Cup. The United States, they're the defending champs and world number ones. The Matildas ranked 10th and last night they upset Fifth threat to France. Take a listen.
0: This has been up this end with real intent. Rasso, the cut back to Fowler, beautifully done. And Mary Fowler off the bench in the second half and onto the score sheet, coolly taken. The run down the right from Rasso, a touch and drilling the ball into the back of the net. And Mary Fowler staking their claim. Australia won,
1: France nil. Let's bring in Illawarra Mercury sports writer, Jamboreau pub baron, an all-round good guy. Jordan Warren, how good were the Matildas last night? Yeah, morning boys. Yeah, the Matildas were sensational. It was actually a sensational game
7: altogether coming up against France, obviously a quality team and and number five in the world. So it was a sensational win for the Matildas in their send-off match for the World Cup. It was good to see Mary Fowler on the score sheet. Of course, she's a Queensland girl, but she had the one season at the Illawarra Stingray. So it was good to see Fowler scoring the winner in that match. But it was really a game that both teams could have won. Like France had a number of chances in both halves. Uh, but the Matildas just sort of in the second half came over the top of the French team, Le Bleu. So, uh, yeah, perfect, perfect build-up for the uh, for the Matildas in preparation for that
1: Island game next Thursday. And Jordan, a question without notice. It's something I saw last night and wondered about it. Do you know why Mary Fowler wears the black gloves on a relatively warm evening in Melbourne? Is that just a fashion statement, a tradition for Mary? Why the black gloves?
7: Yeah, I don't know the, the exact reason, Matty, but I've known that Mary's done that as long as I've ever watched her, and it's definitely a fashion statement within football. It's a fashion statement to me that... Makes absolutely no sense because if you're going to wear gloves, you should be wearing the long skin, the long sleeves. So it makes absolutely no sense to me. But hey, it continues to work for Mary. She, she's playing for Manchester City and she seems to score a lot of not a lot of goals, but important goals for the Matildas against the good opposition. She scored last year against Canada and, of course, last night she scored against France. And I'm sure she scored other important goals that I just can't remember as well. And, and at the World Cup, uh, obviously, uh, she'd be looking to score a few more. It's been. An interesting run for Mary the last 12 months. She hasn't got a lot of minutes for Manchester City, but every time she plays for the Matildas, of course, last night she came off the bench in the second half and, and made a difference. She always seems to make a difference despite that, that lack of uh, game fitness. So I think that uh, she's, she's going to be a crucial part of that Matildas squad in the World Cup, even if she doesn't start from the, from the first minute.
2: Jordan, we've heard before too, obviously. Friendlies going on everywhere. We've just been speaking a bit earlier about the uh, the Columbia Island game being called off. Now, I know Australia have Island Thursday. Should Mary Fowler be bringing a different type of glove? Should she be should <laughs> borrowing a couple of four ounces from Alex Volkanovsky, or what should be going on there?
7: <laughs> yeah, definitely, Jenna. I heard you boys talking about that before. I think she needs to be bringing some hockey shin pads or something along those lines, but that sounded absolutely chaotic. It got uh, called off after 23 minutes against Columbia in a friendly behind closed doors in Brisbane yesterday, and... Uh, yeah, according to reports, uh, Columbia weren't happy that the game got called off, but Ireland's uh, Denise Sullivan, who's a, a, a very important part of that Irish midfield, and, and she would be hoping, and the Irish team would be hoping, that she starts in that game against the Matildas. She had to go off injured with a shin injury, she's, but she's in hospital, so she's in a massive doubt for that first game against the Matildas now. But yeah, I don't know if it was the Irish or if it was the Colombians that were causing all the damage. It sounds like a bit of, a bit of both. So uh, yeah, I'd, I definitely think Mary and the rest need to uh, be prepared for
1: some Irish thunder. We don't want to upset the Colombians. The price of smack will go up, Mitch James.
2: <laughs> no comment.
1: <laughs> what were you going to say?
2: No comment. this <laughs> <laughs> what I was going to say. No, I could say this. Rabs, this is, do you subscribe to the belief, a lot of people say it all the time, if you're going into a big tournament like this and you're a fri- uh, you know, on the fringe of contention the way the Matildas are sort of heading in, do you subscribe to the theory of, you know, you, you've got that one giant killing performance in you and you don't want to be burning it in a, in a friendly, I mean, obviously you want to be taking form into a game. So if you're looking at a lot that uh, sensational performance. do you do you buy to that theory? You've only got the one in you, and you need to you know burn it at the right time.
7: Yeah, it's a good question, Jenna. I think that in a, in a tournament, and especially for an Australian team, like we've obviously seen with the Socceroos in last year's World Cup. I think that you need probably one or two giant killing performances in you, and and I get the theory that you don't want to play your grand final in a quarter final or, or around a 16 game. But I think that in terms of last night, should the should the Matildas had have lost that friendly, there would have been a lot of question marks, and well, not a lot of question marks, but there would have been a bit of uh, a bit of talks about, oh, are they really. You know the real deal, like a lot of people say they are. So I think that they had the win last night, even though it was a friendly. But uh, as I was talking about the Irish and the Colombian game, there's no such thing as a friendly in international footballs. So I think that they had to the win the game. But I think that in terms of the Matildas in in particular, uh, in their in their group, they've got Canada. Uh, they've obviously got Nigeria and Ireland, and no disrespect to the the last two, but Canada, the, the reigning Olympic gold medalist, that's going to be their big game. But I guess in a group stage, they don't have to win that because if they've beaten nigeria and ireland already then then i guess that they're already through but then you get into the the knockout stages the round of 16s, the quarters it it's almost likely that they could that the matildas could be playing england in that round of 16 game and and if they are lucky to, enough to go all the way they could be playing the usa and in, in the final so there's going to have to be a lot of giant killing performances so i i, I don't really buy into the theory jenna that 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 it has to be the one performance because i think that in terms of the matildas they're going to have to have a number of ones in them. And I think that they're more than capable, I think, of the form that they're showing uh, in the last, I guess, six months or so has proven that they can beat a number of quality oppositions. They've beaten France, they, they beat Spa Spain in the Cup of Nations, albeit they were an understrength side. But it's just showing, and of course they beat England as well, away from home. So it's just showing that the Matildas are proving that they are the real deal. And if you get the likes of Shell Arbors, Caitlin Ford, and, and Chelsea, Chelsea, Sam Kerr, our captain firing, then I think that we can beat anyone on our day.
2: You've got to think, too. I'm, I was asking you the question there, Rabs, but I, I tend to believe as well it's got to have some confidence going in, as you said, because to my memory, it doesn't seem all that long ago that, that Tony Gustafson was under a mountain of pressure because the Matildas couldn't beat anyone that was of any substantial rank in the world. The, the, all the wins in the in the previous 12 to 18 months had come against sort of minion nations, and I guess the question mark was... Around that, you, you know, we can't beat any of these top sides. So, I mean, what he's been able to produce is impressive in that time, as in way he's been able to turn them around leading into the tournament.
7: Yeah, you're 100% right, mate. It wasn't too long ago that, that the Matildas, the main criticism was that they couldn't beat those top 10, top 15, top 20 nations. They were, they were beating the Minnows, so to speak. So, for them to be able to turn it around, like with that couple of nations win earlier in the, in the year and then... Uh, of course, like the, the result against England, the result against France is just showing that that they're peaking at the right time, and, and I think that a lot that that has to do with is the fact that Tony Gustafs- Gustafsson has has expanded the talent pool with that side. That when when he was appointed, there wasn't, you know, there was a starting eleven, there was there was twelve, thirteen players that you would pick every game, but now that he's got genuinely twenty three players that he could start in that game against Ireland, and I think that that is a positive for a number of things. I think it mainly it's because you can. You're, you're able to, to pick any player and they can, you know, it's so competitive in that camp, in training and in the lead-up that, that every player, it, it's good competitiveness, but it's competitiveness within the squad that you want to be able to, to win your spot in that first game against Ireland or in any game in the World Cup. And you know you've got to do your job because if you don't, then there's someone on the bench that can do the job just as good, if not better than you. So it, it breeds that, that positive competitiveness that I think is really, really important for any squad in the world. But with the Matildas, I think that's definitely the key point as to why that they're now, you know, reaping the rewards and actually beating those those top sides. So, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's all down to Gustafson's work in terms of building that talent pool. Um, there's a number of factors as well other than that, but I think that that's definitely the main
1: reason why. Jordan and Mitch, what stood out to me last night, well, one element of, was... Uh... As we watch the game unfold, we saw an individual who has had women and no doubt a few blokes swooning around the world as well. He coached Saudi Arabia at the last Men's World Cup. Now he's coaching the French women. It's Harvey Reignard who's in charge of the oh, French women. What a sort. And uh, yeah, I didn't know who he was before, yeah. Matty, but as you, as you bring it up on your phone, obviously obviously, listeners can't see it, but I'll tell you what. Channelling Don Johnson out of Miami Vice in the 80s. He's a good-looking rooster. He He's in charge him. of the French women. Now, uh, Jordan, we know that FIFA has, you know, let's say it, a, a chequered political history. Uh, not always the most outstanding, upstanding citizen in the room. But this week... They backflipped on their decision to cover up the plaques on the statues around Allianz Stadium. Now, I didn't expect them, A, to do this in the first place, but then to backflip as the outrage ensued, but they did, and I'll give them a tick of approval for, for doing that. That was outrageous, covering up the statues of, in many cases, late sporting heroes of Australia.
7: Yeah, and it was close to my heart, Maddie and Jeno, because it was one of the statues is my my great uncle Johnny Warren, of course, former captain of the soccer is at, at the S T G and when we found out on, on Tuesday that his name was covered up, there was a full investigation from my dad, he's the one that, that organized the statue in twenty sixteen when it was erected, and like it was just absolutely barbaric. It's you can understand FIFA over the years if if it's an advertising thing you can you can understand that if it's a Toyota comp and they need and they it's a Toyota comp there with Hyundai they're going to cover up the Toyota sticker that can that's completely understandable but but in terms of this like covering up the the plaques of, of sporting icons not just not just Uncle John but a number of other sporting icon statues around the SCG and it would have been in other grounds as well it's just it's just absolutely it just it, it it's unbelievable really and and it was so happy in the end that the, the common sense prevailed that uh, they actually removed the plaques but yeah it was apparently part of FIFA's clean venue policy and and they've said that they took it too far at the end of the day was was what it was and but yeah it was an absolutely sensational story for all the wrong reasons and I just find it really hard to believe that it would happen in any other any other country if FIFA came in I don't think if FIFA came into Brazil if they came into England I don't think they'd be covering up the plaques of Pelé and Bobby Charlton respectively so it was just something that that was just unbelievable and something that, you know, we hope we don't see ever again. But as I said earlier, it was good that common sense prevailed in the end.
1: Yeah, hopefully it was just a mix-up of some sort and they have remedied it straight away. So Thursday night, New Zealand against Norway, Australia against Ireland. There'll be huge crowds in New Zealand and Australia for opening night. Close to home, Jordan. We've got the Bampton Cup final picture clearer now. Who's going head-to-head for the Cup final? Yeah,
7: with the semifinals were this week, Matty. We've got Port Kembler and Wollongong Olympic playing out in the final uh, after the semifinals. Of course, Port Kembler got a really sensational win against Wollongong United on Tuesday night, a 2-0 victory over United. They scored a couple of first-half goals, and, and albeit United were pretty unlucky, they had a number of chances and probably had more chances and more possession than Port, but at the end of the day, they... Port Kembla kept United to zero and uh, going through to the final. And then Olympic, they've uh, hit a bit of form recently. There was a, a few question marks not too long ago about Matt Bailey's troops. They had a 7-1 loss in the league to Bulli about a month ago. And, and there was a lot of question marks over the defending grand final champions in the league from last season. But they've had some really positive results in the league. They've beaten Albion Park in the league and they beat Albion Park 2-0 in the semi-final on Tuesday night. So, yeah, really positive stuff from Olympic. And in terms of the final, it's... Should be a really interesting game. Port Kembla have beaten Olympic this season, but they played recently and Olympic got up 2-1. So, yeah, both it's one apiece. So this is the third game of the season. So, yeah, we'll see who comes out on top when that final's played.
1: I'm Speaking with Port Kembla's assistant coach, Paul Micklemire, this week, they're really looking forward to the final and then the back end of the season. When it comes to Premier League matches this weekend, is there a standout?
7: Yeah, there's a few games, but there's definitely a standout today. It's the Macedonian derby between Wollongong United and Cringilla Lions. And it's also second v third on the ladder. And, and the sides, to add a bit more spice, the sides played each other just a few weeks ago in a washout, a rescheduled washout fixture, which Cringilla got up 1-0. So the teams are very familiar with each other. The teams themselves are actually very familiar with each other. There's a lot of friends between between both sides. and. And yeah, I really don't know who's going to win this one. It's a replay of the of last year's grand final qualifier, where of course Wollongong United got up two one in that uh, in that case. But uh, yeah, it's a fascinating game. It's going to be a fascinating game at Macedonia Park today at two thirty in Berkeley. So yeah, if you can get down and come and come down and watch and fill the stands, it would be would be a great game and a good spectacle to
1: be a part of. The Macedonian derby always a highlight on the Illawarra Premier League schedule. Now, if If fans can't get to a game, if they can't get to these Women's World Cup games, I reckon the Jamboree Pub would be a good destination, Jordan. No doubt you'll have the games on. There'll be an atmosphere there. There's so much football memorabilia. Uh, What a great option. If you can't get to the game, go to the Jamboree Pub.
7: A hundred percent. And there's actually, for that first game at the Jamboree Pub, we've got hot potties on the menu, which is apparently, I've been told, I've never heard of it before this, but I was getting told the other day that it's an Irish Irish whiskey cocktail sort of concoction of a drink so it is jordan yeah, in as an irishman i can confirm that the jamboree pub on thursday night uh, you're talking yeah, Gen- oh, actually, you're yeah, talking, talking Geno's language right now, now <laughs>
1: jordan well done okay what are they called again hot toddies <laughs> course, are they yeah. well, i thought it was
2: toddy blanchfield coming back to the hawks <laughs> hot, i thought that was hot toddy <laughs> hot, but there you go
1: <laughs>
2: well yeah, mate you yeah, enjoy no, it we've got those you, on the you menu
5: enjoy it yeah, like i said, I'd...
7: yeah yeah no i was just saying that it should be a fascinating spectacle at the pub at it's uh, hopefully a full crowd we'll have off to sport and, and seven-plus on. So, yeah, it should, be, it should be a good occasion
1: that Thursday night. Well, Jordan, we look forward to chatting over the next few weeks as this tournament unfolds. Thanks for your time this morning. Enjoy the Macedonian derby. Yeah, good on you, boys. Thank you. A break, then we're back to talk Wallabies.
0: There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN track. There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN track.
1: national anthem i'm gonna guess argentina <laughs> you're oh, spot matters. on here go spot on got it, because right. got it right today the wallabies they move on from south africa to play argentina tonight toby dawson is our rugby expert toby i don't want to get to argentina just yet uh, what should the fallout have been after getting lapped by south africa yeah
6: look i think um i tipped the half-time full-time double i just put the wrong team on the side <laughs> yeah <of> i <mine>. know <laughs> <laughs> oh, you did give me that <laughs> sorry about that one uh Tino. yeah look Last week they're a bit dear in the headlights. They, the South African backs just destroyed us. So you know the the overall analysis of the game, we we're outskilled well before we we're out-muscled. Um The backs were just clinical. They were fast and they just ran laps around us in the first half. And then in that second half we got monstered. We just weren't physical enough. So the fallout has to be and it has been that our forwards really need to step up. And I think a really exciting inclusion in tonight's team will be Jed Holloway. Former Winoona Shamrock uh, coming in at blindside, and he knows that the number one job Eddie wants of him and his fellow forwards is to step up physically. Uh, well,
1: last week we saw Eddie uh, take umbrage with a journalist and call him a, a, a smart backside. Uh, but I thought that was a bit rich, given that Eddie had thrown a few arrows in referring to the South African second stringers as, as what, a patch-up team or something like that. So there was a bit of friction there, wasn't there? Eddie Eddie found his right sort of slot to give it back to the South Africans.
6: Yeah, you're never going to see Eddie get a diplomatic post <laughs> no, on dude. behalf of Australia. Because no. he's not afraid of the conversation. He calls it as he sees it. He's not there, you know. Rugby was the winner at the end of the day. He'll call it as he sees it. And if he takes exception, uh, you'll be sure to know about it. No, I think that um, that honesty and that candor is something that the Wallabies need. Um, we've kind of forgotten the will to win. We've forgotten how to win. And that's a really big part of it, that mental
2: piece. Well, I agree with you 100%. We knew Australian rugby was back on the map because we had Eddie Jones there swinging. He, could, he yes. could go down to freestyle and probably throw a couple of Eddie yeah. Jones. But I want to talk to you about the record in Sydney. It was staggering for me. We talk about the record at Eden Park. We talked about Pretoria the other day. But what is it? Is it since 2016, one win?
6: One of 11. One win
2: in Sydney. Sydney in Sydney. It's our Hoodoo City. Matty, wow. we can't win in Sydney. Forget one, Eden Park, forget Pretoria. So we're one we in can't ten. win in Sydney. Yep.
6: We've won one game of our win <laughs> since two thousand and sixteen in Sydney. Is that so, because
1: we predominantly play a team that wears all black? Well, I
6: think that's a big deal. <laughs> It'd
1: have to be
2: part of it. <laughs> yeah. You've got to, you gotta you can't you can't just gloss over that, Matty. No, but, but at the same time, boy oh boy, in your in your, your home city, you know? In, it will, wow. In Australia, the biggest city in Australia—it should be something you try to turn into something of a fortress. But yeah, and I was staggered when I read that. When I read that stat.
6: Yeah, and I think the other interesting stat that's going to come in tonight is that Argentina have won one of their last eight. Right? Okay. And that one was Argentina versus England in Twickenham when Eddie Jones was the coach. Oh. So we've got matchups on all different levels. We've got Michael Chica and Eddie Jones, yes. both Randwick boys. Yes. You know? So we've got a battle of the boys that have played, you know, and, and come from that hallowed turf of Coogee Oval. We've got two teams that are really fighting for their pride and their survival in this rugby championship. Um, and like you say, both have really got to step up because what happened to the Wallabies in Pretoria happened to Argentina and New Zealand. So they've got to show up and be counted to stay alive in this rugby championship.
2: You mentioned the, the forwards and the forwards needing to step up. Great to see Jed Holloway getting another caller. But there's, I guess there's going to be some, some focus shifting to the halves. Nick White, Quade Cooper... I heard Eddie Jones sort of tempo when Tate McDermott cut a they come on later on, he tempered their performance a little bit by saying a lot of people... Can't, you can't read too much into what goes on in, in junk time, but are White and Cooper going to be a pairing that can take us to a World Cup victory? Because it's not... I don't think you can lob those guys in late either. Do you have to... There's got to be some pressure on them too, I think, in this stage, particularly against a team like Argentina that, look, really, as much as, like you mentioned, their record one of eight, it's one they have to win at home. Should there be some pressure on, on those two guys?
6: Yeah, definitely. They need to step up. And we know that Quaid is a brilliant uh, player with ball in hand. He's got flair. He's got – but defensively, he's not there. So he just got barreled last week. They kept running at him and at him and at him, and they looked to break him down. But in the same way in cricket, you know, you've got your openers and then you've got your mid, you know, mid-order batsmen. Starting a test is different to finishing a test. So having that White and Cooper combo up front is probably the best option we have at this point. Um, Gordon came on and did great things, and I can see him getting more and more game time as he progresses. And, you know, as he gets that experience grown, there's every chance that he might move into that opening starting uh, position. But at this point, he's still got to learn test rugby, which is a step up, and he's playing against the best in the world. You know, the Southern Hemisphere teams... Might be biased, but I think play a very different and a much better style of football to the ugly, boring Northern Hemisphere teams.
2: Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself.
1: Absolutely. It's a fascinating (laughs) subplot, isn't it? You touched on it. Eddie Jones, Michael Checker. So a returning Wallabies coach against a former Wallabies coach, two men with big personalities. Uh, They call it as they see it, Jones-Checker. What a subplot.
6: Yeah, and I think, you know, Eddie and Checker have both had stints at the Wallabies. Now we're back again. Uh, Some of the guys that Cheeks used to coach are still in the team. So they understand Mm. how he operates, what he's going to be pushing for from the Argentinian team. Look, Los Pumas have always been a very strong pack. They've always had a brilliant scrum. Last week we lost three scrum penalties. We lost three lineouts. You can't afford that. You must win your own set piece. So there'll be big um, expectations on the Wallabies forwards tonight to get those things that you're there to do right so that the rest of the game can happen the way you want
2: it to. I think the, I think the rest of the world when they played Argentina would breathe a sigh of relief since they went away from touch, pause, engage <laughs> now that they do it this way because that you can leave me out of that. That yeah. was brutal. They they love their scrummages, their, their, their icons there. They, they love the scrum. So I think Yeah, touch fours engage. I think a lot of props read the sigh of relief when they uh, obviously have tweaked the the rules
1: there. So 7.30 tonight in Sydney, Combank Stadium, Wallabies, Argentina. Can Australia shake that dreadful record in Sydney? I was unaware of that. That's a fantastic stat, but not if you're wearing yellow. We'll come back to Illawarra Rugby League because last weekend, Shoalhaven 26 over Avondale 14. Shoalhaven still unbeaten, 11 games, 11 wins. 11 bonus points, but the margin there is nowhere near as big as it has been for Shoalhaven against second place Avondale. Camden, Shamrocks 26 all. Kyama by a point over Campbelltown, 34-33. Bowral, 26-10 winners against Uni. So they were the scores last week. Today, Tectars Avondale. Campbelltown against Camden. Uni against Shoalhaven. Kyama, Bowral all games 3 o'clock. So they're at Wollongong, Campbelltown, University and Kaiama, Give us your assessment of Illawarra Rugby. Toby, both last weekend, I suppose specifically, Shoalhaven's win against Avondale.
6: Yeah, look, um, I think today, sadly, uh, Tech have forfeited both grades against uh, Avondale, which is unfortunate for the comp, unfortunate mm. for Tech. Okay. Um, I think it speaks to fronts uh, the strength of Avondale and unfortunately the, the strength of Tech not being able to show up. Uh, but Tech have had a great great year, um, so don't, by any stretch, judge the club on that decision. Uh, one of the great uh, results last week was that draw between Chamis uh, and Camden, and I think that is really going to put Camden really wanting to step up um, against Campbelltown today. Uh, Kiyama, um, as you know, got the nudge by one point against Campbelltown last week, so I yep. think that's really going to be a battle for the ages up there in uh, Rugby Park.
1: Winning uh, a few at the death, aren't they, Kayama? They know it. <laughs> they can finish it off. So it's kiama uh today.
6: Kyama, yes. Sorry, Kyama Barrel. Kaima will get that easily. Okay. Um, we know Bowrell beat uni last week, but university aren't having their strongest season, and I think that it still wasn't a convincing win from Barrel. So I think Kaima have got that. Uni versus Shoalhaven. Sorry, mm. uni. <laughs> well, <laughs> I that's...
1: hope they've been studying very hard yeah. this week, the students, because I'll need something against Shoalhaven, you'd imagine.
6: <laughs> yes, and it might be a couple of degrees, but uh, <laughs> I think, yeah, Shoalys have got that. Uh, Shammy's Vikings, that was played last night under lights out at Ocean Park. Unfortunately, the green slime got over the blue rash. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I think Campbelltown-Camden will be a really good arm wrestle, and I am going to back the Rams. Camden Rams for the win.
1: Okay, to beat to beat Campbelltown.
6: Yep, the Harlequins go the Rams.
1: What about player or players of the round? Uh, who would you like to mention, Toby? Oh,
6: look, I just can't go back. I can't go past the Brandon boys in Shoalhaven. The yep. way that they light up that backfield, they're, they're so effective and just lightning quick and elusive in both counter attack and when they in, in um in. Input themselves into the attacking line. You don't know where they're going. Once they get that ball, they're just moving so quickly. They travel as a pack. You know their brothers. They're used to looking after each other, um, and they just know they can read each other so well. You know, there's. Elements of the Ellers, I think, Ooh, um, and the Brandeds. The Branded's would hate me saying this because they're very humble guys. I don't think it's. I don't
2: think it's, it's, it's in the relative sense of this. Yeah, absolutely, I think absolutely shades of the Yellow brothers. The way they go around, the what, points are incredible. The what, way they play and what, what they a good rack up. I don't get think out it's Union Watson. out of the realms. Yeah, exactly. hundred
6: percent. Three o'clock. Watch some some exciting local rugby. That Universal Haven battle will be a really exciting one to get along. Um, not only are those three just brilliant, they've got a very strong forward pack. They're playing really clinical football. They're winning the set piece. Maybe the Wallabies should watch. They're winning their set pieces. <laughs> they're effective at the breakdown, and they're just creating that space up front so that the backs can look good. Because if you don't have a forward pack moving forward, your backs don't have any chance. So that's why the uh, Brandons are able to look so good.
1: Did we get a tip in the wallabies Argentina game from you?
6: Yeah, just remember the hoodoo of last week. Look, <laughs> I think um, what we're going to see is a real arm wrestle. If Australia can step up physically, you know... We only last week had, uh, we only made it over the gain line, 45% of the carries from our forward back. If we can step up and shift that, as I said, Jed Holloway is very clear in the message sent from Eddie. Um, It's going to be close, but it'll be Australia, Australia in the half-time, full-time.
1: Toby Dawson, you're outstanding. You've come with notes. You've come with stats. You've painted the picture. Even I want to tune in tonight. We don't need... We're going to in brush the, Matt Campbell. He's gone to Vegas <laughs> and he's going to come
2: back and he's not coming back. I'd have never. have never uh, seen him with a pen. For a general manager uh, of a professional sporting franchise, I don't even think I've seen him with a pen before.
6: This is the difference between professional sports people and the wannabes, <laughs> yeah. right? You're not a wannabe. You've set the scene magnificently.
1: Illawarra Rugby is lucky to have you as the unofficial media officer.
6: Well, quick little shout-out as well on the Illawarra rugby front in the under 16 Illawarriors side yes five of that team have made it into the countryside which is a massive achievement and big shout out to those five under 16 Illawarra players and I think it's a good sign for rugby in the coming years we'll have those guys move up into seniors with great experience
1: next week we might get you to read their names out and tell us how they're going as we continue to track the Wallabies all the way towards the Rugby World Cup later in the year Toby Dawson great to chat time for the news right now there's a new player in town
0: Wollongong City GWm havel visit them for a test drive today you're listening to Saturday's in the gong on SEN track water, water and crowd.
3: That's
1: Retirement and all, and racing will be front and centre once again. Of course, the Illawarra Turf Club and Kembla Grange, it'll be part of that, Mitch Jennings. But uh, one long-term ingredient won't be, at least officially, Peter Devries has been club's CEO for as long as I can remember. But yesterday he was honoured at a special farewell lunch. I, I hope he's sitting poolside today, sipping pina coladas, um, happily starting retirement, because the Illawarra Turf Club has done really, really well under Peter Devries. Indeed, it has. Yeah, I think the way it's come along, the regional racing in general seems to really come
2: along, and I think yeah, it's a hell of a legacy that Peter is gonna is gonna leave behind. I do hope, or maybe maybe.
1: Jamboree pub for some hot toddies mate we'll see <laughs> steve Keane is the man incoming we spoke to steve a little while ago and and he's really keen to put his feet under the desk and and go to the next stage in the history of kimber grange the illawarra turf club so we'll see what unfolds but yes yeah, spring here in no time at all what about Geno's jinx uh last week you delivered i think a four dollar winner so we're all sweating on Geno's jinx for this week it was
2: it was man behind the money too There was somewhat poetic. I, I think I did tip a lot of people into Valix Volkanovsky by uh, third round stoppage as well. So it wasn't the worst day for me on the punt. So that... On form, mate. that means you shouldn't read anything into what my tip will be today, so I am playing it somewhat safe as well. I'm going to go with overriding, race 7 at Randwick. It's the benchmark 78, three wins in its last three starts, obviously going up to 1,400 today, top weight. Kobe Jennings on board, but I think worth a flutter at around
1: that $3 mark. Okay, we'll follow that, and as we mentioned, uh, yeah, Kembla Grange, spring coming quickly, exciting times, and Peter DeVries, how's retirement treating you early this Saturday morning?
3: Moving a bit slowly um, today uh, at had, had the farewell lunch yesterday.
1: How was the lunch? What are some of the highlight takeouts from yesterday's gathering, Pete?
3: Uh, just, uh, it's, it's, a it's so good to see so many people turn up and uh, um, uh, say nice things about you. Uh, you, you. You almost think that they're talking about somebody else and you look around the room to see what the hell they're talking about.
1: Well, Peter, I'll say thank you for what you've done in your time there at the Illawarra Turf Club. For as long as I've been here, I know you've been working uh, very hard to make sure that this great club goes forward. Just take us back to the start. How did you come to be CEO of the Illawarra Turf Club?
3: Well, it goes beyond that. Uh, I'd been working for my uh, uh, accounting firm in, uh, in New Guinea um, and retired from that business, came back there. To- Wollongong, went to the races, uh, this is back in 98, went, went to the races one, one day at Kembla, which I you know, was in the habit of doing anyway before I went. And Keith Nolan came up and said, uh, you're on the board. And I said, ooh, doesn't that take an election? And he said, no, we've got occasional casual vacancy, so we'd like you to fill it.
1: And in you, in you came Keith Nolan, the late, great Keith Nolan. And then um, you found yourself as, uh, what, on the board, and then became CEO. And and what when you first started the job, what were some of your your um, big observations, and and what you your goals in that role?
3: Well, back in those days, as a provincial club, you uh, your prize money was uh, I think about four or five thousand dollars a race, and uh, when you compare that to uh, the current times when we're racing for forty two dollars base price money, uh, let alone. Uh, Million dollar races and, and all that kind of thing. Uh, um, it was probably a slower, easier um, time back in those days. It wasn't quite as hectic. I think the sport uh, has has uh, had to become a uh, uh, a corporate business uh, uh, in over the over those years. It, but I still consider it to be a sport.
2: Peter, I want to know, obviously it's a hell of a legacy like we say and obviously we've seen the growth of, you know, the gong and obviously, you know, regional racing everywhere but I know you must have been pretty proud of along the way the, the growth of the, the Kembla Classic and the, the marquee place it holds on the regional racing calendar. That has to be something that, you know, as you're sort of hanging them up that you, you must be pretty proud of.
3: Well, it was, it was quite interesting uh, because we, uh, we were running the two-year-old race Um, And that was a leading race to the Golden Slipper. And at one stage, um, if you won that, you you were entitled to pay the late entry money to go into the Slipper. So uh, what happened was, uh, because that was so successful, a lot of other previous races became a walk were listed. And ours became a little bit inconsequential. So we needed to do something to to sort of... uh, uh, rescue our, what we called our flagship race. So we came up with the idea of the three-three-old Phillies Classic, um, and it has been uh, a remarkably successful race, not in, in the fact that it's it, it's uh, any more than a group three, but because it, horses go into it, Phillies go into it, that you probably haven't heard of before. Uh, and they, uh, uh, invariably, the race turns out horses who become major black type winners in the next year or two. It's
1: been great to see the instigation of the banging of the gong before the running of the gong, and I think Alex Volkanovsky <laughs> has banged the gong in the past. If it was Peter De Vries call, you'd be giving Alex Volkanovsky the keys to the city, wouldn't you, Pete?
3: I'm team. I'm team, Alex.
1: Indeed. As we all are here.
2: So I think Although a... he does bang that gong a little bit too hard, mate. I'm not sure about the banging of the gong. I don't know. It's starting oh, to look a little violent. bit I think we're banging the gong it, a bit too yeah. violently, so it's, it's a bit of a fair team. He's even listening in, Alex. He's there. He's got the gong I reckon he's has he got that gong <laughs> at his at his place, Peter? Do you not, give him the gong afterwards that's and not he can my just gong. the gong?
3: If... <laughs> that's not my gong, that's the long mate.
1: <laughs> yeah, the wrong note. Pete's, Pete's gong's much, much better than that. Pete, um, why have you decided to call it, to call it quits now and, and what does retirement look like for you?
3: Well, uh, the question gets asked about five or six times a day of both Elaine and myself remember, as to what our plans are and, and the, the, the uh, answer to that is we have no plans. Our plan is to make no plans and see what happens. Why? Why am I quitting now? My contract was up. Uh, I turned seventy-seven, and my next birthday, it's time for the younger generation to take over the running of that organisation, which which I love dearly.
1: Are you looking forward to seeing the club go forward under Steve Keane?
3: Yeah, yes, yeah, so i Steve will, Steve will do a good job. He's had a lot of experience in uh, in horse racing, and uh, he'll he'll take it uh, he'll take it further. And uh, as I said. Uh, You've got to know when to retire. Uh, looking to retire uh,
1: He's going to go on forever. Well, Peter, you mentioned that you came into the job in 98. That was the year I came to Wollongong. And as I've said, every year since you've been a, a fantastic supporter of any media outlet I've worked with, but most of all a fantastic person to have in charge of the Illawarra Turf Club, which is powered ahead under your guidance. So thank you for your service to the Illawarra Turf Club now for... Uh, more than two decades best wishes to you and elaine in retirement we'll see plenty of you no doubt out there at kembla grange now you can just come out there and enjoy yourself like the rest of us rather than having to worry about work so pete de Vries, congratulations and enjoy a well-earned break my friend
3: thank you matt i really appreciate those sentiments
1: good on you pete de Vries there the outgoing ceo of the illawarra turf club we'll break and come back to talk some more rugby league
0: There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SCN Track. There's a new player in town, Wollongong City GWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SCN Track.
1: A week goes by without us giving that great song a run. And when we were wrapping up Peter DeVries a moment ago, uh, you might have heard some mutley sniggering in the background. That's very unprofessional. But there is a very, very good reason. Toby Dawson is still with us. Toby, you are our course commentator here at Wollongong Golf Club. There was an atrocity, wasn't there? Over near the pond, the main pond, through the middle of this wonderful course.
6: Yeah, this fellow, he's had a pretty good uh, shot up the course. His <laughs> ball's just rolled down into the uh, water, has it? And he's down on all fours, keep retrieving his ball. And behind his back... In slow-mo, his buggy just started rolling down and then went clubs first into the water.
1: And now he's trying to find his keys and wallet and other uh, valuables that are at the bottom of the lake.
6: Yeah, he spent about five minutes getting every ball, every jacket, club out
1: of the water. He played short too. Once he got the ball out, there was no way he was
2: going to be putting back towards the water. He played short. He was going to putt uphill.
1: So if our listeners wonder why we were laughing, sometimes you, you can't control everything and... To have a bloke bending over retrieving a ball and have the buggy follow him into the drink—that's oh, gold. Man, uh, I just
6: wish I had a camera out because yeah. it all happened in slow mo too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it was.
2: Oh, that's anyway. what you want to come in. I will tell you what, Matty. Just moving on to our next topic. You've got a—I've never mentioned this before. I—I'm I'm a man of simple, simple tastes and simple things, but I, I do have a few yuppie tendencies, and one of them is having my coffee machine in my house. I am up on the the hill on Dom on Dombarton, so mm. you know it's not a quick trip to any sort of coffee. And you turn the machine—it's one of those ones that. It filters out every time you turn it on and turn it off, and it makes this sound when you're turning it on every morning. So it goes, and I just go straight into you mean it? You know me every morning. So the poor, the poor bride sits there and says she hates that song because I every I start my morning with that. That's how that's how good that is. I have a taste of my coffee every morning has a taste of steel.
1: Come on, Marty, woollen gun. gung. Yeah, what? It gets stuck in your head, and I find myself driving to work on a Wednesday and it lurks into my mind or, or lunges into my I can't get out of my head all day but it is, a, is it. do you want to have another listen to it come on throw it on again
2: I will say I will As often as I've listened to it, I can confess to having the lyrics wrong for quite some time. I, I understand it is, I now understand it is can't go wrong when the metal's strong. Now, for a long time, Matty, I thought it was can't go wrong with the men so strong. Right. So I okay. thought, you know, that's what it is. So you do learn along along the way. I actually thought when, uh, obviously, our own Illawarra Steelers had their finals charged this year in the Harvey Norman Women's Premiership, I thought they were going to have to change the lyrics to the victory song. But no, it's can't go wrong when the metal's strong.
1: Dave Anderson hasn't missed a beat, Dave. You've done a great job today sounding the gong, playing the Illawarra Steelers club song. Uh, another great input from Dave, along with Pete, the perfect panel punch from Putney, the hard-working hero from Hudders Hill, hasn't missed a beat, and here he is working hard again. What's happening uh, Illawarra Rugby League, know today.
2: Oh, plenty. I'm gonna ge- be heading out to the Great Parish Park Fig Tree to be calling that one with my offsider Johnny Pett We both had last weekend off for different circumstances, so we're we're going to be back in the media box there, probably getting a few Coke zeros from the great Matty Ray and calling that one. It's a it's a big one, West. They looked unbeatable through, you know, the early part of the season as much as they weren't hitting their their straps fully. But they've dropped two in a row, and I, I can't recall seeing them drop three in a row uh, under Pete McLeod. So that's the one I'm going to. Against Dapto. they're coming off two consecutive wins. They're starting to be shape as those giant killers. So there's plenty
1: at stake in this one. I can't wait. Okay, we'll get to some Group 7 Rugby League right after this.
0: There's a new player in town. Wollongong City GWM Havil. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track. There's a new player in town, Wollongong CGWM Havel. Visit them for a test drive today. You're listening to Saturdays in the Gong on SEN Track.
1: And there's some Group 7 Rugby League to get to today, if you so choose. Milton Nulladulla playing Albion Park Oak Flats. Milton Nulladulla hosts at 3 o'clock. Jamboree hosting Barry Shoalhaven, also 3 o'clock today. The match of the round, though, in Group 7. Shell Harbour against Gerringong tomorrow, 3pm. Ron Costello Oval. Mitch Jennings, what are you looking forward to this weekend? I'm
2: going to stick with the NRL, muddy because I don't always get the chance working the weekend to do it, but I'm really looking at the two games. I like Seagulls-Cowboys at Four Pines Park, just where they're both at, and I'm very much looking forward to the Warriors and the Sharks
1: in New Zealand. Toby Dawson, who won the netball this morning?
6: Uh, it was an albider, it was a draw, West Flycrackers against the Fairmeadow Butterflies. Oh, I
1: love those names, and you're looking forward to rugby tonight? I oh, am,
6: yeah, but we've already spoken about the these, so I think the better game is going to be All Blacks versus Springboks. The All Blacks are placed as favourites, uh, but I think it'll be a real test for a Southern Hemisphere record.
1: Enjoy your Saturday, whatever you're watching, and we're back next weekend.